So we'll open our Bibles to Lamentations chapter 3 from the 21st verse. Now the Bible says, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Now this is the one thing that I recall to my mind, that I deliberately keep in constant remembrance to my soul. This is something that in the eyes of the writer, in the heart of the man speaking right now, he says, this is something that constantly stays on my heart. It, it has not left my thoughts. It is the thing that I infire on my soul to remember always. Praise God. He says, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. The Bible says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Hallelujah. The Bible says they are new every morning and it says great is thy faithfulness. The Bible says the Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. And the Bible says that the Lord is good unto them that wait for him to the soul that seeketh him. It is good, the Bible says, that, that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, for you to understand and appreciate where this man is coming from, you need to ask yourself probably the ultimate question. Why does he continually recall this thing these thoughts to his mind why does he continually recall this expectation to his soul why it, does it come up always in his mind to remember these things somebody shout hallelujah you ask yourself because you see whatever stays on your mind has a certain effect on your life and consequently prompts you always to remember it's like if you woke up in the morning right and then you saw a little swelling on your hand it can bother your mind why because it is there right until you either prick it or pray about it or it disappears but as long as that swelling is there it will make you feel uncomfortable are you following me so a man cannot recall to remembrance such a thought without the presence of a certain experience a certain life a certain thing happening are you hearing me and what is happening to him is not foreign to anybody in this room tonight it's only the only difference is that he has exercised his spirit through knowledge to know what to do in case certain things turn up in his life and sadly for us many of our christians do not know that part of life and it is something i want to show you and introduce you tonight a man cannot say that i am constantly recalling this to my mind constantly recalling this to my mind and this is the very reason i have hope that we have not been consumed because god is full of mercies and his compassions fail not this thing always came back to his head and this is why i believe that the writer was in a state that you and i sometimes would find themselves in because we are human beings partly right we are godly beings but there's a part of us that is human it breeds oxygen and has flesh and blood right i believe that this man here went through a circumstance a situation and he failed to walk according to the course of the word of god he broke a rule he broke a principle he sinned before his god 
Are you hearing me? And probably he lived a life that constantly reminded him of the things he has done. And every time he's walking on the face of the earth, he cannot help but think, but with all of this much I have done, God, you have still not consumed me. And your compassion has not failed over my life. Are you following what I'm saying? Because you see, not everything good happening to us is happening to us because we are good people. Are you following me? It's probably we would put, get lights and put them on our souls and hearts and look back at the things that we have done. And, and sometimes you feel and say, but God, I don't even think I deserve this. Because I did this. I know that I did this. There's probably a guy who is faithful in his first fruits and is tithing every Sunday. And there's the same guy on the same world who has robbed hundreds and hundreds of millions. And the guy says, but God, how come you even saw me robbing it and you still gave me grace? I mean, allowed me. Not that he gave me, but you let it happen and you still covered it. Are you following what I'm trying to say? Not gave, but he let it. He saw it and you could have been gotten. You could have been arrested. You actually deserve prison because you stole. Are you hearing me? And you can even compare yourself with a fellow who is doing all the principles and you're living all way better than them in all regards. And you're like, but God, how come you still have mercy on me? How come your compassion has not failed? Why are your mercies new every morning? It might not even be a money issue. It might be something that you as an individual have struggled with. You know it between you and yourself. It is probably something you're never going to be proud of to share with anybody, but your heart always beats every morning and tells you, you know what, Christian, this is not the way of life. You know it. You, you don't even need a lecture on it. You know where it is. It's your secret, but it's killing you. Right? And then, eventually, because of that, you're expecting judgment. You know judgment is coming very soon. And then, he starts to do things in your life and you're like, but God, with all of this, how come you still love me? How come your compassion has not failed on my life? How come your grace is still extended on the things that I have? Think about it. Of course, in the same congregation, there is a holy nun who is dressed, although she doesn't look like she's dressed, and she's looking around, I don't know who they are talking about. Let me see. Hmm, I think they're talking about that guy. I know what he did. You understand? And you know, I believe that it is part of the most indifferent foreign nature, most indifferent foreign nature, to always wake up sometimes and judge ourselves and compare ourselves with others. The Bible says comparing themselves with themselves with others, they became what? Fools. Why? You're like that, uh, what's the fellow? There was a priest. You remember that guy? A Pharisee? He says, Father, I thank you. For me, I fast. I give tithes of cumin and mint. I do this and, and I do that and I do this. But then look at the other fellow. He's this and that. You know, sometimes you can even sit in class and compare yourself with other people. Compare yourself with other people. And think, you know, even though I'm badly off, this fellow is worse. You know, even though I'm this bad, this fellow must be worse. You understand? I know that I lie but her. Uh, that one is worse. You understand? You even weigh yourself against others and say, you know what? I think this fellow is worse. 
And sometimes that's an excuse of us feeling a bit better of ourselves and carrying ourselves a bit better to say, you know what, you know, I could be bad, but no, there's worse people. There are people who have done worse. You know, me, I took five sticks, that one took 20. You understand? You get what I'm saying? One time there's a preacher who was telling us, he was in a small group of guys, they were accountable to each other, so they used to meet, right? And then, and then share their weaknesses and then pray with each other. So he says, these were guys in high school. They used to have a certain name they used to go by. So there used to be about a group of three or four guys. And then they would just get together. And the guy says, you know what, you guys, I did this. Oh, let's pray. I did this. Oh, let's pray. So one time the guy says that they were in a group of four. And then one guy made a very stunning confession. He says, brethren, I have this weakness. And then this guy looks at him. And then he said, the second guy said, I also have this weakness. <gasps> right? And then the third guy put down his head and said, I also have this weakness. <gasps> then the fourth guy said, I also have the weakness. But I realized that some of you, your weakness is a bit. <laughs> Me, in this weakness, I do this, I do that. And, and this guy said, hey, brother, you're so badly off. Gwengoli <laughs> movie, you understand? In the mind that I know you're bad, but you, you oh. So this guy says, yes, he says, how do you live? I know we have, but you, uh, yours is bad. <laughs> Praise God. Whether small or big before God, it's big. I mean, you're dealing with a God who says, if you hate a brother, you murder them. Hello? So, how many people are in prison because they have physically murdered? And how many murderers are standing here tonight that are even worse than the guys who killed? Hey, are you following what I'm saying? Probably the guy who killed that guy that day and is arrested probably for life, he probably was not a hating guy. He was just annoyed by one fellow and then he hacked him to death. But for you, you hate everybody around you. Even just the way they look, you hate them. That means you actually commit murder every day. Praise God. That is why we cannot continue carrying the hypocrisy that I see many Christians carry around of holier than thou. Many of us, there's always that walking. Say, how could she do that, woman? The Bible says in Romans 9.29, the prophet Isaiah says, that if the Lord had not left us a remnant, if he had not left us a seed, the Lord of Sabaoth, the Bible says, would have been as Sodom and Gomorrah. That means if it was not for Christ, there is nothing you're reading in scripture that any man has ever done that you woman could never do. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, sometimes we can think, you know, some people were born evil. Some people were born this way. Let me tell you the reality. There is nothing you read any man doing that you could not have done. Except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed. Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. They say man at his vest is altogether vanity. Some of you, even the way you look, you look like, huh? you, you, you look three steps and you're like, mm -mm, that sister is, no, 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 woman, brother, you would be worse. You'd be worse. We are pointing fingers at other people, but, oh, some of you, if we just open you up for five minutes, we just have to seal you back because our eyes can't dare to see what is inside you. But you're holy. You're smart. You come to us. You understand? But there's something inside you. 
And this is the news flash, and I'll shock you. Even the people you think are the best in the world, they could have been the worst in the same world. Why? Because in the core line of humanity, we all are the same in a certain way. We're all human beings. The Bible speaks a very fundamental thing that I have read over the years and for some time I chewed over. And the Bible speaks of when Jesus was walking around men. The Bible says he committed himself to no man for he knew what was in them. Do you know the meaning of that? He committed himself to no man because he knew what was in man. Jesus never committed himself to any man. Why? Because remember when he was walking on the earth, he, he was the only life of God. The rest were unregenerated spirits in Christ. Je Jesus is not telling us that we cannot commit ourselves to men which are spiritual. He's only saying that during that time when he was walking the surface of this earth, men were not born again. Because what do you need to be born again? You need to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But how then could they confess the Lordship of Christ if he had not yet shed his blood at Calvary? Are you hearing me? So at that point, the Bible says he did not commit himself unto them because he knew what was in all men. That is man of the flesh. Nobody who is not born again cannot do anything to you. They might be the best people in the world, but if they are not under this covenant, they can turn. If even born again people turn, what about people in the world? How do you wake up in the morning and commit yourself to a person who does not know God. How do you do that? Who does not fear God? Are you hearing me? No, young ladies. How do you just wake up and just commit yourself to somebody? They, they can be so good, yes. But they don't have a covenant. If even the covenant guys are hard. <laughs> what, about, what about a person who... You, you understand what I'm trying to tell you? At least if Abraham refuses to get rid of Ishmael, God will come to him and tell him, listen to your wife. Are you hearing me? At least he comes to the presence and listens to God. But he tells you, I'll never step in your church. I don't believe in your God. And, and you commit yourself. Do you want to kill yourself? Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? So, I, even in my life, I don't commit myself to men who don't know God. It is hard for me to commit myself to people who don't know God. Because I know what is in man. I know that man at his best day can become vanity. They can do things that would shock you. If we are still struggling with Christians, born again. And by the way, I, let me also say this. Let me just pass this around eh? Now it is even becoming harder to trust Christians. Are you hearing me? They are the ones we hire and then they frustrate us. They are the ones we work with and then they rob us. They are the ones who borrow and don't pay. You understand what I'm saying? Now it is becoming harder for us to work with men who profess Christ. We are praying, God help us. Somebody shout hallelujah. That is why we need to preach the gospel. We need to preach the gospel. Are you following what I'm saying? But that's true. He committed himself not to man. Because he knew if God had not sent Jesus, 
There is nothing you read in Sodom and Gomorrah that you could not have done. Really? They wanted to do this? No, go read everything Sodom and Gomorrah did. And for a moment think that if you did not have Jesus, you would have been everything they see. But thank God for present truth. The Bible says that war unto you for if the things that were done in you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would still have been living. That means God has given us a message that would deliver us from anything. That if the man in Sodom and Gomorrah had it, they would not have died. Thank God for it. That means we cannot die. We cannot lose our lives because this message is here. It is the message of his grace. His compassion that faileth not. His loving kindness that is steadfast. It is unconditional. And his mercies, the Bible says, they are new every morning. The moment you wake up and stretch your hands, mercy. Somebody shout hallelujah. This is what the man is saying. He's saying there's this one thing. I, I could have lost it. I have probably made mistakes. I look back and I'm like, God, how are you even allowing me to walk the surface of this earth? But I can look back and put the light on my soul and say it is your mercy and unfailing compassion that still sustains me. These things never left the man. And the Bible says it's a good thing for a man to hope and wait in the Lord. You know why? Because this was not a man who was celebrating his weakness. This was not a man who was taking advantage of the love of God to do whatever he, he does. No. This is a man who knew that he was struggling to be right before God. But the grace of God, the compassion of God was ready to wait for him to change. He's that kind of God who will see you do stupid and he says, you know what? Continue until you're tired enough to be drawn by my love and forgiveness and mercy. I don't want to draw you out like I'm like a robot and configure you without even the thought and heart that is willing to submit to me. No. The Bible says with his loving kindness he has drawn us. God wants to love you enough until you look at yourself and say what I'm doing is too stupid. That's how he draws us. He does not draw us by anger. Praise God. The Bible says in Psalms 103, verse 10, he says, He has not dealt with us after our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquity. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards them that fear him. He says, as far as the east is from the west, so far, the Bible says, has he removed our transgressions. The Bible says, for like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame and he remembers that we are dust. He knows what you're made of. He knows what you can do. He knows what you can do. Some of you even promise yourself and say, you know what, God, this time I'm not going to do it. And then you mess up the more. Because, listen, your flesh, you can't do it without him. Quit making self-help programs. They'll never heal you. Your righteousness, even at the best, the Bible says is filthy rags. No man can make themselves right. Even if you're making yourself right, this is just a temporary moment. You're going to flip back, brother, and you're going to go back to the same old thing you've been fighting for 20 years. That is why some people have failed to beat habits. You know why you cannot beat habits? Because every time you go back to your sanity, something tells you that you can stop it. You cannot stop anything by your own strength it has to take the strength of god if you have tried to live it believe me if you have tried to live it for 20 years it has stayed and become stronger for 20 years because you're feeding it and what you feed grows and you can't stop feeding it 
until God deals with its appetite. And the only way God deals with its appetite is to introduce a pleasure higher than it. He doesn't take you away from it and still make you miss its pleasure. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. That is not the delivering power of God. Because if it is, then that means you are living in the ever-constant life of restraining yourself, yet you don't have a substitute for it. No. God is the God. Pleasure can only be replaced by a higher pleasure. And that pleasure can only be found in God. If it is not there, then it doesn't matter whether you do it or don't. You're still not free. Are you hearing me? If you're struggling with alcohol and you're struggling all oh, this time, I'm not taking, then two, three weeks you're taking, you're going to stay like that until the day you die and then probably some can flip you and then you die. You, you, you will, you're not going to stop. Why? Because it's still something that compels you. It pulls you beyond your normal life and strength to control it. But the day God takes over, he can fill you with something. <laughs> the Bible says, be not drunk in why we are in is excess. But it says, but you can be so full of the Holy Ghost. It can get you so high that you can look at a bottle and it, it is not enough. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? You drink it and not feel its satisfaction anymore. You, some of you know the story of a man. Fellow was doing weed, meth, cocaine everything you know a man can do they took him to every rehab they took him to every center they took him to everything they 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 injected his body they detoxicated it they did everything they counseled they prayed they beat they put in prison they failed to get it out one of those days he comes for service he stretches his hands toward me to greet me. And I greeted him. And he said that was the last day he ever put a drug on his body. You remember him? Soon I'm also going to bring you a certain guy because he feels he wants to testify. This fellow did everything there is in the book to stop drug addiction and he failed. But he said he just used to come on Thursday and he was high. He sits and listens to this thing and it's making sense. The love of God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Then he goes back and he just sees he can't stretch it. He, he says I put alcohol in my mouth and it was sour for the first time. Hey! That is called the love of God. It constrains you without effort. Until you understand it, you will always avoid what you crave. You'll always avoid what you really crave in the flesh. The Bible speaks of men who have positioned themselves that way. Don't touch. Don't test. Don't do this. You remember that scripture? And he says, and these things are done with their doing. These things carry a form of godliness, a denying of the flesh, a sort of piety, the Bible says. But they have no answer in the indulgences of the sensual pleasure. You have it? Yes. The amplified of that. He says, they say, touch not, 
do not handle this, do not test that, don't even touch them, referring to things all of which perish with the being used. To do this is to follow human precepts and doctrine. The next verse says, uh -huh, such practices have indeed the outward appearance that popularly passes for wisdom and in promoting self-imposed rigor, self-imposed rigor of devotion and delight in self-humiliation and severity of discipline of the body, but they are of no value in checking the indulgence of the flesh. Inside there, you are, you are avoiding what your body wants. Praise God. The Bible says they do not honor God, but they serve to indulge the flesh. They don't honor God. It's not honorable. God wants to take it out of you. Are you hearing me? But even when it comes, you look back and it no longer carries the power and craving it had before. Do I have a witness? Do, are you here and, and you just woke up one day and you just stopped something? You don't even know how it stopped. You look at it. Put up your hand. Don't fear. Don't fear. You, you won't mention the thing. I won't allow. But just put up and say I'm a witness apostle. Yes, I have many hands. Thank God. We even got a new camera. I'm going to go back and rewatch all of you. And imagine. I'm joking. Isn't that true freedom? When you look back and you're like, but. I used to do this. How did I even stop? And you can't look back and remember any self-imposed rigor to stop it. But you look back and say, this was entirely the grace of God. Somebody shout your hands up and just shout hallelujah. And just say, God, thank you. Thank you. Because you see, when that freedom comes, it's easy to extend to another being. Why? Because you easily tell them, brother, it's Jesus. It's not my own effort. It's Jesus. It's his strength and power. His loving mercies that are there to make sure that he does not lose you. The Bible says he does not will that any man perish. Somebody shout hallelujah. In Nehemiah chapter 9 verses 15, we're going to read up to verse 30. You know, we have read the story of Moses and the children of Israel. And I want us to read it in the message Bible version. We have read the story of the children of Israel. How they crossed the Red Sea and how they did this and how they did that and how they did that. But I have not found an account as beautiful as the way Nehemiah put it. And I want you to go with me as we're reading too. For a moment, put your, don't put yourself in the shoes of the people. Uh-uh. I want you to put yourself in the shoes and in the heart of God as I'm reading these words. Because Nehemiah takes time to narrate what exactly happened with the children of Israel. I want you to see the heart of God in this. I want you to reflect for a moment and see what God is doing to get his people out and imagine for a moment the price that he has paid for you. Now, listen. Let's begin from verses 15, the Message Bible. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger. You sent water from the rock for their thirst. You tell them to enter and take the land which you promised to give them. But they, our ancestors, were arrogant, bullheaded, and they would not obey your commands. They turned a deaf ear and refused to remember the miracles you had done for them. They turned stubborn, got it into their heads to return to their Egyptian slavery. And you, he said, are forgiving God, graciously and compassionate, incredibly patient with tons of love. You did not dump them. You even when they cast a sculpted calf and say this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. They built molten images and continued from bad to worse. You in your amazing compassion 
person did not walk off and leave them in the desert. The pillar of the cloud did not leave them daily. It continued to show them their route. The pillar of fire did the same by night and showed them the right way to go. You gave them your good spirit to teach them to live wisely. You never stinted with your manner. You gave them plenty of water to drink. You supported them 40 years in the desert and they had everything they needed. Their clothes did not wear out, neither their feet blistered. These were men against God. But his tender mercy continued. His forgiveness continued. They get more after separating water. They saw water part. And then they crossed just the other side. And after, immediately after that, they built molten images. And say, this is the God that got us out of Egypt. And he still maintained them. And none of their clothes grew weary. Neither their feet swelled. They did not blister. They were still healthy. Are you hearing me? And these are men who are opposed to God. Praise God. 22, you gave them kingdoms and the peoples establishing generous boundaries. They took over the country of Sihon, the king of Hezbon, and the country of Og, the king of Bashan. That means he gave them victory. You multiplied children for them, rivaling the stars in the night sky. You brought them into the land that you promised their ancestors they would not get and own. Well, they entered. All right, they took it and settled in. The Canaanites who lived there, you brought to their knees and brought them before them. You turned over their lands, the kings and the people to them as they pleased. They took strong cities and fertile fields. They took over well-furnished houses, cisterns, vineyards, olive groves and lush, extensive orchards. And they ate, they grew fat on the, and fat and on fat of the land. And they reveled in your bountiful goodness. Then they mutinied. They rebelled against you. They threw out your laws. And they killed the prophets. You sent them to return them to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The very prophets who tried to get them back on your side. The things went from bad to us. You turned them over to their enemies who made life rough for them. But when they called out for your help in their troubles, you listened from heaven and in keeping with your bottomless compassion, you gave them saviors. Saviors who saved them from their cruel abuse and from their enemies. But as soon as they had it easy, again they were right back at it more evil. So you turned away and left them again for their fate. You just left them to their enemies who came right back. When they cried out to you again, in your great mercy you had an help them again this went over and over and over you want them to return to your revelation they responded with haughty arrogance they flouted your combat your commands they spanned your rules the very words which men and women leave they set their jaws in defiance they turned their backs on you and didn't listen and you put up with them year after year and won them by your spirit through your prophets but when they refused to listen to you you abandoned them for foreigners still because of your great compassion you did not make a total end to them you didn't walk out and leave them for good yes you are a god of grace what a god tell your neighbor what ah Now, if I don't serve that one, I serve which one? If I don't praise that one, which one do I praise? If I don't worship this God, which one would I worship? You tell me. You tell me. You tell me. Which one? They mess up every time. And when I look at that, I see how we are. I honestly see how we are. Are you hearing me? I see how we are with him. He just turns his back and says, you know what? I'm so hard. He turns like this. 
and the enemy spawns on them unlike a pitiful father he still comes no 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 I still love you come back I love you you see it even hurts him for you to be afflicted for your own sin he's not like some of the religious people who, who man Jesus God was presented so wrong to us they told us of this God who was full of rage and fury and anger who could burn you at the ounce of breathing in oxygen and he would swallow you yes 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 but you see how he dealt with the children of Israel and the Bible says if the first covenant was not faulty there would have not been a need for a second covenant he comes to a man and he says the man tells him good master good Lord good teacher Jesus asks the man who is good except the law that means the law was good it was a good thing the commandment was good it was to the strengthening and instruction of the Jewish heart but you see the Bible says for finding fault with them read the scripture read the scripture he says for if there were the first covenant was without fault there would have not been a need for a second covenant are you following me he says for that first covenant had been faultless then there should have been no place to be so for a second covenant and the next verse says for finding fault with them he said behold the days come when i will make a new covenant with the house of israel and the house of judah why is he doing a new covenant because the one is faulty the first one is faulty why is it faulty because it found you fault with fault are you hearing what I'm saying? There was nothing wrong with the law. The law was telling you don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't hate, don't do this. It was good to give you direction. The Bible says had not known what evil and sin was except by the law. But because it proved you guilty and found you at fault, he condemned the law and said it's with fault. He condemned a whole covenant because it made you faulty. He has never wanted to build a covenant that finds fault with you. That's how much he loves you. Somebody shout hallelujah. When he found that the covenant was making you faulty, he said, no, let me do another covenant that will not make you faulty. I love you enough that if the covenant is good and you break it, but it does not make you right, I would rather count it with fault and make the thing that makes you right. He brought Jesus. Hallelujah. He became your redemption because he knows you can easily throw yourself back into Egypt. He became your wisdom because he knows you cannot think of your own. He became your righteousness because he knows you cannot keep righteous for any moment. He became your sanctification because he knows you cannot sanctify yourself. He has been made our wisdom, our redemption, and our sanctification. He is the fullness of all that filleth all things. He is the great I am. is the son of God. He is the way the truth and life and that one has come as the propitiation of your sin the mediator of the new covenant and he that knew no sin became sin that you being dead and two sins might live and two righteousness and those stripes that could have gotten you sick because of the perpetual consequence of sin he says by my stripes ye were healed he even healed your body he gave you peace that passes all understanding to guard your heart and mind in Christ what a love By this new way, we have access. He went and tore the, the veil and said, no, the high priest will not enter only in here. Everybody that comes through me is accepted. Now you can access the highest level of his presence. Why? Because he loves you. Tell your neighbor what I love. 
Now he's there for you. The Bible says he ever leaves to make intercession for you. The Bible says he calls him a very present help. A very present help. A very present help in time of need. He gave you his guarantee and he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says a woman can leave their own child. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. We will fall in the dirt together. The fall of David. And then he goes through the brook of Kidron. It was the dirtiest place where all the field of Israel was. And the scriptures tell you later, even in John, Jesus walked into the brook. The very brook David walked in. You understand? He is ready to take the most filthy walk with you. He can say, see, if you're going there, I know it's crazy. I know you're entering a bar, but I'm going to go with you. You understand what I'm saying? I know you're entering the worst place you could ever go to, but I'm not going to leave you because you're stupid. No, I will love you, sanctify you, bring you close, do everything I have to do until one day when this love overrides you, it will constrain you to turn your back from the worst stuff and live the life you believe you are not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. I can only draw you by love. Tell your neighbor what a love. Praise God. We would have been like Sodom. There is nothing that warrants you to be alive. Nothing. There is no goodness enough to add you years. Everything is the source of that man we chose to believe. And he says, come as you are. Don't fast wash yourself. No. Because I'm ready to take that dirt with you. I'm ready to be as dirty as you are. I came to make the unrighteous righteous. The ungodly righteous. I didn't come for the righteous. No. I didn't come for those who think that they are too clean. I did not come for those who think that they are very nice and the rest of the world. No. I came for those ones who know God. That without you I would have been nothing. I can put the light on myself and know for sure. That even with what I'm struggling with right now. If I was not born again I would be at my worst but thank god that through your grace you still covered me through your love you still saw me through and now i look back and i'm like how did i walk out of this and i don't have a clue what a love tell your neighbor what a love the bible says that his mercies, his, 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 his anger, his, is but for a moment. Psalm 30 verses 5. They amplified. When it comes to anger, the Bible says his anger is but for a moment. But the Bible says, but his favor is for a lifetime. His favor is for, is for a lifetime. That's why he says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Why? Because his favor toward you is for a lifetime. And guess what? In the new creation, he'll never get mad at you. He'll never have moments of anger. There is nothing that changes a human soul like love. Nothing. Nothing. Until you get to the revelation of that love, you'll never walk out of sin. Because you realize that that is the love that will constrain you. You will not constrain yourself. That very love will constrain you. 
I have a lady here. She came to me and told me, Apostle, I used to live uh, this life, a very promiscuous life. It was crazy. It was this. I just started listening to you. I just found myself packing my bags. Do, 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 you know, do you know how powerful that word is? To find yourself packing your bags. You're fine. Are you hearing me? And she said, I just left that house and I said, God, I have to leave. It was finding self doing something. Not deliberate no you just found herself being drawn by a certain thing you see when your the love of god is so full it when it fills your mind when you understand how much he has loved you that very power draws you out of sin it does so if you're here and you've been struggling with something i want to commit to you the love of god has not been fully revealed to you you just need to be loved until you feel it. Israel rebelled for many years and God punished them. For me, I can testify on myself and tell you there are things I look back and I'm like, it wasn't my brain. It's just the love of God draws you out. Sam tells you, you know what? Don't go there anymore. And you feel even the the interest of it has died. Are you hearing me? It has died. You feel the freedom of God on you and the strength so strong in you that you don't even know where it has come from, but you're like, how did I even go? Man, that's why they call it redeeming love. It is a love that comes to love you to redemption. Until you feel it, you can never understand. Until you feel it, you can never walk into freedom. The only thing the devil can do is always to bring back your history. Oh, you did this. You remember when you did this? To make you guilty and disconnect you from that love. And that's the point where you turn and make the most powerful statement. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm a new creation. Behold, the old is past and now the new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us back to Jesus there is nothing as disturbing to the devil like that statement that's true repentance when you say who you are metanoia the changing of the mind of what the devil is trying to tell you versus who you are somebody shout hallelujah you cannot have this message I think for me the one thing that changed me when I got to know the love of God one, I started to see how effortless it is to walk out of certain things. Two, I started to see how it's impossible not to forgive. How can I not forgive? Right? How can I not forgive? There's a song the Gaither brothers sang, but I'll sing it so you hear. Just a line. I then uh -huh. shall live as one who's been forgiven I'll walk with joy to know my debts are paid I know my name is clear before my father 
I am his child and I am not afraid so greatly pardon thou forgive my brother I then shall leave as one who's learned compassion. Confess it. I've been so loved that I'll risk loving too. walls instead of pretense I'll dare to see another point of
and tell him God thank you for your love tell him thank you for your love speak to your heart and tell him God I know what I would have been without your love come on talk to him 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 just talk to him whatever you've been struggling with just tell him God it's I give it I wait on your deliverance I receive grace and compassion your compassion will not fail you take me out you walk me out of this you cover me through this I don't enjoy it because I desire your law I desire your word I desire to do your will cerebros thank you for loving me too much Unconditionally Too much Thank you for loving me Too much Unconditionally And too much Thank you for loving me to much hope unconditionally in me to much hope thank you for loving me to much unconditionally but I break your heart and you call me back oh Lord I messed up and you still love me Throw away my sins, I remember them not And condition So 
salvation to receive him as your personal Lord and Savior this love is irresistible this love is incomparable I want to give you an opportunity to say today I want to receive him as my Lord and Savior you want to repeat these words after me I want you to say the words that I'm saying say Lord Jesus I have heard your word your love has drawn me I receive forgiveness and I receive your love 
my heart believes my tongue confesses that you are Lord and that you gave yourself for my sins tonight I confess you with faith as my Lord and Savior I'm born again Amen